This is The Guardian. Today, how was a far-right mob allowed to rampage through the heart of Brazil's democracy? A little over a week ago, Tom Phillips, The Guardian's Latin America correspondent, was in Brazil's presidential palace. It is one of Brazil's most beautiful buildings built in the late 1950s by the architect Oscar Niemeyer. And it's this gorgeous curved structure with a marble ramp leading up into the heart of the palace. And just seven days before I'd been there watching Lula's inauguration, and it was this wonderful moment of hope and a new start. I was surrounded by politicians and members of civil society many of them weeping around me as they heard Lula's first words as president and this very optimistic orchestral soundtrack to this supposedly new Brazilian era. In the past few days, Tom has been inside the palace again this time to see how much of it has survived. Here I was seven days later, and as I moved into the building through security, it was actually quite scary because they were knocking these huge panes of glass out of the windows and there were shards of glass flying everywhere. There were gorgeous works of Brazilian art by master painters that had just been punctured, stabbed, I went into the press room and the rioters had urinated in the press room next door in the photographer's room. They'd defecated. In the Senate Museum, in one of the display cases, a copy of the Brazilian Constitution had just been slammed down on this glass display case and was just sat there covered in shards of glass. And after touring the presidential palace, I walked across the Three Powers Plaza to try and get into the Supreme Court. And as we approached the building, I was approached by a member of the federal police bomb squad. And he said, you need to move away, you need to move away because we're about to make a controlled explosion. And I said, oh, you know, well, what are you exploding? And he said, a grenade. <laughs> that had been used in the failed attempt to control these riots on Sunday. Anyway, I moved back, we all covered our ears. And then minutes later, there was this big explosion. And birds flew across the square. I mean, just, just incredible. This is right in front of the Supreme Court and the presidential palace. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it really spoke to how the city is, is still, the city and the country is really still on edge about what happened and why. On Sunday, a violent mob stormed Brazil's presidential palace, along with its Supreme Court and Congress. They wanted the military to take over and restore to power Jair Bolsonaro, the far-right former president, defeated in last year's election. The spree of vandalism and violence has shocked Brazilians and shown them just how fragile their democracy is. Not just because of what this mob did, but because in a city full of military police, presidential guards and soldiers. There was nobody there to stop them. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, a right-wing assault on Brazilian democracy. (laughs) 
So, Tom, tell me about how these shocking events unfolded. I was at home in Rio on Sunday afternoon, I think watching a cartoon with my son, when my phone lit up and I started getting reports that thousands of far-right demonstrators began the march from their camp, which is outside the army headquarters, about eight kilometres away from Congress, towards the three branches of government, the Supreme Court, Congress and the Presidential Palace. They were escorted by military police and at about 3pm they flooded the Congress building and even clambered onto the dome. They started graffitiing things onto that white dome. One of the phrases they wrote reads FFAA, Forces Armadas SOS, it's like SOS Armed Forces, because these people wanted, and one of them said to me yesterday, they wanted a military coup. They proceeded to the presidential palace and the Supreme Court, and we've seen images that show that a replica of the Constitution was looted from the Supreme Court and carried outside and sort of brandished before the cameras. I saw an image of one of the black robes of the Supreme Court justices stolen and carried outside and sort of paraded before hundreds of Bolton IDs their mobile phones and uploaded to telegram channels and social media. It was just an insane, terrifying rampage. Tom, these are just astonishing events that you're describing, but what is just as shocking to me is that you say that these marches, these rioters, were at some point escorted by military police and that they weren't stopped, despite warnings received by Brazilian intelligence about what they were planning to do. How is that possible? Well, that's the million-dollar question at the moment, and I don't think there is a comforting answer. Uh, One could argue that it would be normal for a peaceful protest to be escorted by the military police, but why it was that they were allowed to get so close to the Congress building, despite the fact that there were apparently intelligence reports picking up on the threat of violence. Dozens of buses had come into Brasilia from other parts of the country in the days before this happened. So authorities uh, and the media knew these people were, were coming. Why were they not stopped? Particularly worrying is as the former defence minister, who is now one of Lula's closest aides, said to me, was why the battalion that is responsible for protecting the presidential palace, they are based in the palace, they have troops in the basement, and somehow they were not able to stop these guys breaching what should be one of the safest addresses in the whole of Brazil. And he said to me, you know, I'm not blaming anyone at the moment, but... The fact that these rioters were able to do what they did suggests utter incompetence or complicity. And where was the new president, Lula, while this was happening? And what about other government officials? So it was a Sunday, fortunately. So officials were not in these buildings. Lula was in Sao Paulo state where there had been flooding. So he was on a presidential tour there to offer support to local officials. So there were no officials or politicians in the building when the rioters arrived. Was anyone injured or killed in this, like, insane spasm of violence that you're telling me about? Miraculously, nobody seems to have been killed. But, yes, many people were hurt. Um, I spoke to one military policeman outside the Supreme Court yesterday who was really crestfallen and angry, actually, about what had happened and said that many of his colleagues had been injured in clashes as they tried to 
remove and push back these rioters after they'd done their damage on Sunday afternoon. Certainly, I've seen videos um, on social media too of some of these clashes, and you can clearly see Bolsonaro supporters bleeding, wounded. When I was in the presidential palace yesterday, I was told that when officials arrived, after the rioters had been cleared, they saw blood on the floor of the press room, on the door of the press room. People assaulted more than 12 journalists, I think. Some were, were very badly assaulted during this attack. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it was an extremely violent episode. And I, frankly, I mean, it's pretty staggering that no one, no one seems to have been killed. And how did authorities eventually manage to regain control of these buildings? Uh, well, eventually troops were sent in and they were able to push these invaders out. But even that seems not to have been simple. I mean, there are videos going around that show a guy who appears to be a member of the army says to other security forces, you know, no, no, you can't arrest these guys. They're, 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 they're one, you know, he's one of us. He's one of us. Don't arrest him. So I don't think it's been proved yet. But one sense is that there were members of the armed forces who were actively participating. You said that Lula wasn't in the capital when all of this started, but he did come back before the end of the day and he spoke to the country. What did he say? So Lula flew back into Brasilia on Sunday and immediately addressed the nation and said that these fascist vandals would be punished. He ordered a federal intervention, basically taking control of the security of Brasilia and the area around it. Uh, So the federal government is now in charge of that rather than local authorities. And he said these people will be punished and they will pay. And subsequently, we have now seen more than 1,000 people taken into custody. Where did this all come from? I mean, it was such a shock to people watching on, but... To you, someone based in Brazil, how surprising were these events? This has been brewing for a very, very long time. Even Bolsonaro has been predicting, warning that this would happen for two years, just hours after the 6th of January attack on the capital in the US. He came out and said, if his doubts about the Brazilian electoral system and its electronic voting system, which he's worked relentlessly to undermine, were not addressed then, quotes Brazil would have a bigger problem than the US. He's always very careful about trying to stay on the right side of the line legally. But yeah, certainly this has been on the cards. We've been expecting Brazil's answer to January the 6th for a long time now. And on January the 8th, we got it. Bolsonaro lost last year's presidential election against Lula. And despite those concerns that he'd reject the result, he did eventually vacate the office without a fight. What have his supporters been doing in the meantime? So, I mean, what's important to understand is that he has spent the last two years continuously insinuating that the Brazilian electoral system is flawed, is rigged, that he was going to lose because the system and the rotten mainstream media was on the side of this evil communist Lula. And... Many millions of Brazilians are now absolutely convinced that that is true. And so in the wake of his defeat in October in the election, we've seen camps spring up outside army bases and installations up and down Brazil, where his most hardcore supporters have been demanding a military coup to overturn the result of an election that they claim was fixed. 
Bolsonaro's reaction has been very strange to his loss too. He has fallen almost completely silent, very uncharacteristically, and flew to the United States. He's currently in Florida on the eve of Lula's inauguration. Many of his supporters have taken that as tacit support for their movement. And there have been some extraordinarily troubling warning signs that this was coming. So on the 13th of December, we saw Bolsonaristas rampage through the capital. They tried to storm the federal police headquarters. And then a few days later on Christmas Eve, we saw the arrest of another Bolsonarista extremist who allegedly confessed to a bomb plot. And the plot seems to have been that he would explode a fuel tanker at Brasilia's international airport or at an electricity substation. And that would create, according to the plot, some kind of turmoil that would justify a military intervention that would reinstall Bolsonaro as the leader of Brazil. And Tom, this discontent, these threats of violence, how did they intensify in the lead up to Sunday? Like, Was there a plan to do something this big that day? Authorities here are still piecing together exactly what happened. But from what we understand at the moment, there was some quite sophisticated level of coordination. We have reports that extremists were using social media groups to invite each other to a party. And that was code designed to get around um, intelligence monitoring. And these people had come from across the country. You know, there is a hell of a lot of money involved. These pro-Bolsonaro camps have been there for two months plus now with people being bussed in and bussed out sound equipment sound trucks and all this taking place on land that is controlled by the armed forces so yeah i mean there are many politicians here who are convinced that this is a very organized very well financed a very deliberate movement with very specific political aims terrorists to many here a terrorist movement that has been allowed to grow with at least some level of collusion on the parts of security forces. It sounds like we're going to get a better picture of the true scale of both what happened and to what extent these rioters got some sort of assistance from elements of the Brazilian government. But in the shorter term, how has Bolsonaro responded both to the events that we saw on Sunday, but also to the allegations that he is ultimately responsible for them? Uh, Lula has accused him of being responsible for egging this on. Incentivando os ativistas fascistas que estão na rua se movimentando. He has denied that, but Bolsonaro often puts caveats in his condemnation of such events. So he will say, "Well, yeah, I denounce violence, but you know, if our concerns about the voting system had been addressed, then perhaps this might not have happened." Or you know, some have interpreted his silence since his election defeat as a sign that. He is an authoritarian-minded leader who was convinced he would win, who is now spiralled into this whirlwind of self-pity and depression. But I would suggest that based on what we know of Bolsonaro, certainly a, a decent chunk of this silence is tactical because he is a deeply tactical man. One of Brazil's top political columnists uh, wrote an article in the headline was what Bolsonaro sowed, Brazil reaped. And I think many people here feel, having watched him so enthusiastically trash the electoral system and encourage radical followers, that his fingerprints are all over what happened, even though there is as yet no direct evidence.
Tom, in the aftermath of this attack, Lula returned to Brasilia. He toured the palace and other sites that had been stormed by the rioters. And in the meantime, the Supreme Court has suspended Brasilia's state governor, a pro-Bolsonaro politician, for failing to prevent the attacks. We've also seen orders for the arrests of several top public officials in response to what happened. As the new Brazilian president seeks to pick up the pieces, literally, of his country's capital... What do you think Lula's biggest priority is at this point? Oh, I think Lula's intrade is hugely full at the moment with many, many problems. But this will certainly be at the top of that list. Lula has, since his election, been trying to rebuild bridges to the armed forces, which we know is much more on Bolsonaro's side than his. There are many within the military top brass who were actively pro-Bolsonaro and who think that Lula is a villainous commie. He appointed a defence minister who is from the right and who has good ties to the military. So he's been trying to build bridges and this will all just make that harder. How to rebuild those bridges and how to feel safe, I mean, how to, you know, frankly, even protect his own life when the unit responsible for protecting the palace was not capable of keeping these vandals and terrorists out. And I mean, this is a credible fear, right? Like Brazil's a country that's been ruled by the military for parts of its, its recent history. It transitioned back to democracy only in 1985, within the lifetime perhaps of some of our listeners. How deep is the fear that elements within the military might be heeding these calls from protesters to take power again? I think it's deep. I would tend at the moment to be cautiously optimistic. I think the scenes of depredation and chaos on Sunday are just so outlandish and so unacceptable to the overwhelming majority of Brazilians that actually this is something that will backfire on the far right and on on Bolsonarismo, the movement. We must remember that this guy remains, or at least until Sunday, remained massively popular. But I just wonder if this is just one step too far, even for pro-Bolsonaro sectors of the right, just utterly, utterly unacceptable to see a bunch of uh, terrorists, as many people here are now describing them, smashing hundreds of years of Brazilian history. Coming up, they could have been the end of Brazilian democracy, but could Sunday's events be the end of Bolsonaro? Tom, in the aftermath of an event that is so shocking and so violent and potentially so decisive for Brazilian politics, what's the mood like in the country's capital? How do people feel about it in the days after? I think people feel really stunned. Walking around Congress in the palace yesterday, I mean, there was anger, the cleaning staff who were sweeping up the shards of glass and wading through the ornamental ponds for rubber bullets and glass. They just seem sort of stunned and angry and just in a state of disbelief. People want to know why this happened, who was behind it. And we've seen in the aftermath of all this violence, thousands of progressive Brazilians take to the streets to defend democracy. We've also seen a remarkable display of political unity in the Three Powers Plaza outside the presidential palace, where Lula and all 27 of Brazil's governors One of them, the new governor of Sao Paulo, a former Bolsonaro minister and a man who is seen as a right-wing successor, 
came together, marched out of the wreckage of the presidential palace and gathered in the square below. Bolsonaro's supporters are absolutely adamant that the election was rigged and that it is an outrage to describe what happened on Sunday as a terrorist attack. I visited on, on Monday morning, just hours after the attack, I visited the, the encampment outside the military base here in Brasilia from which the marchers had um, set out on Sunday. And one of the women I met, she told me she'd been there, she'd seen it all, and she said, no, we, we are upstanding citizens. We're not terrorists, we're patriots, and Bolsonaro is our patriotic leader. They see it as a noble, patriotic, conservative revolution. And unfortunately, Sunday's violence is not likely to change that. One of the Brazilian journalists I was with yesterday said to me, it is as if they have been bulletproofed to the truth and to fact. And I think that captures it perfectly. There are unfortunately millions of Brazilians out there who are bulletproof now to any kind of fact. I spoke with Celso Amorim, who's one of Lula's closest aides and friends whose office was trashed. Hi Celso, how are you? Hello Tom, can I speak in Portuguese? Yeah, of course, claro, claro. Portuguese, como vou melhor para você? He said to me, you know, I'm really shocked. But I'm confident we will get through this. And, and I think that's right. I'd like to think that's right. But I think the road ahead is filled with danger. How could this happen? Who had let this happen? And what will happen now? I mean, you said that that's the question on most Brazilians' minds. What will happen now? And what's the answer to that? What does happen next? God knows, Mike. I mean, a very major roundup is now going on of people involved. More than 1,000 people are in custody. We saw federal police forensic teams combing the wreckage of these three buildings yesterday for evidence. And then, with the impressions digital, you can put it in the system and if there's a criminal. The federal government has promised that these people will be brought to justice and that the people who finance this will be caught. And one must hope that that discourages others from following the same path. But I mean, many guns have gone into circulation under Bolsonaro. Last night, I saw images of a Bolsonaro supporter who had gone to a left-wing street protest in Brasilia, allegedly carrying a loaded revolver, who was then seized by the crowds and handed over to police. So there are a lot of guns out there. There were a lot of radical minds which have been manipulated. I, I always try to be an optimist and I, you know, I, I think the democratic dream here would be that this helps Lula reunite the country and somehow shakes the majority of Brazilians out of this and, and then we get to the next election and we have two democratic candidates from whichever side of the political spectrum debating Brazil's real problems rather than calling for the overthrow of its young democracy. And Tom, as you survey this destruction and what it tells you about the kinds of challenges facing Lula as he tries to put this country back together, is there a reading of these events that on Sunday, Brazil's democracy was tested in a way that it hasn't been for decades? And despite the destruction, the vandalism, it, it survived. It got through that day and might be able to now begin the task of rebuilding. Absolutely. You know, I think the cup half full version is Brazil now, after four years under a far right radical, has a normal government 
filled with, in many cases, well-meaning and intelligent, dedicated ministers who are committed to environmental protection. Brazil now has the first indigenous ministry in its history. There are many good and democratic Brazilians now in this government after four years in which many of those ministries were, frankly, controlled by crackpots. So, yeah, one must hope now that Brazil will get through this, will pick itself up, shake itself down, work out who was behind all this, punish them and move on. Tom, thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. That was Tom Phillips, The Guardian's Latin America correspondent, whose coverage of Sunday's riots in their aftermath you can find at theguardian.com. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.